Previously on Anything Goes. As I've grown from a comedian, I mean, it it it, it bugs me when, uh, you know, when people just quote that first uh, Tim Hortons bit that I did 13 years ago. You know, bovine Betty with the country white ass. Because right, right. I've hit my tipping point. And uh, I knew that things were changing when Canada was so hungry for icons and mythologies that you couldn't make fun of a fucking donut. What the Jesus is the country coming to right. when this, this company owned by Americans has managed to wrap themselves in the Canadian flag while they wrap our heart in a three-pound fist of donut fat? Right. You know, uh, double cream, double sugar. What the? What? If fucking bilge water from a Russian tanker filtered through a prostitute's pantyhose would taste good after double cream, double sugar. And you take those chances and you... But to but, me, it's audacious that that is seen as sacrilege and right. that's seen as heresy and treason Absolutely. in this country. What the fuck? Fucking get your perspective in order, will you? But my, my thing is, if you don't, like, you've worked hard to get your crowd coming to see you, if you don't take those artistic chances, aren't you really wasting your time? Absolutely. It's like Louis C.K. No one goes to see Louis C.K. because they're like, oh, let's just go see. Everyone's there to see Louis C.K. do, do what, what he, he does, does yeah. and what he wants to do. And now, let's get to a new exciting show. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Are you ready for some laughs? Are you? Now with 20% more brand to keep you regular. From the bump. This is Anything Goes with Darren Frost. How the fuck am I funny? Dave Martin. What have we got here? A fucking comedian. And Kathleen McGee. And I'll execute every motherfucking last one of you. Can you dig it? Uh, so we are. This is our, our second episode of Anything Goes. Uh, tonight's guest is Mark Breslin, all the way from Toronto, Ontario. Order of Canada, Mark Breslin, and the CEO and founder of Yuck Yucks, the comedy chain up here in Canada. So we'll be talking to him a little bit later on. But first of all, a little chat with, uh, of course, Dave Martin and Kathleen McGee. Uh, Dave is in Toronto. I'm in Barrie. And she is in Edmonton, Alberta. Real Housewives of the Oil Field. <laughs> nice. Oh, wow. I got this in wow. Village in Red Deer. <laughs> wow. I want to know, like, why it was at Value Village in Red Deer, though, like, was there a breakup? Do you think there's actually women who consider themselves the real housewives? And yes! Because oh, yeah. they shop at Winners and not Walmart, we're better? I have girlfriends that, like, call themselves the real housewives of whatever community they live in. I call myself the real housewives of Boyle Street. Wow. It's a girl thing, I guess. Do you watch that show? Oh, yeah. I watch all... You get so sucked into them. They're terrible. But, like, there's that new reality like streaming service called hey you yeah. and they're yeah. all on there and like oh god i've been watching the reunions instead of i don't watch a whole season that's just too much but right. i'll watch the reunions because the reunions are hilarious and they recap all the stuff that you actually really need to know uh it's the perfect way to watch housewives i'm sure there's people out there that say you got to watch them all but how much coaching do you think is actually done in those shows now? Because I know it's like... At times, I don't think any reality shows are real. I don't no. think... I think, like... I literally think The Bachelor is completely casted and 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 everybody's told what they're going to do. I don't think it's, it's any of it's real. Like, I think even the the end falling in love part, I think that that's all... They're all actors. Well, yeah. That's I mean, what look I at, think of real conspiracy. Look at a show well, like... 
they're all actors trained to be on reality TV. I think, I think once, uh, I think like once pro wrestling said, listen, this isn't real fighting. It's all scripted. The endings are predetermined. I think that's when a lot of the like the Jerry Springer shows were sort of like, we're we're coaching them, we're we're poking them yeah. into the right direction. I mean, that's why it's always say I always say if you, if you want to see a show, uh, the the most real, you watch the first season, and then the following seasons get more and more scripted and more and more fake, like Ninety right. Day Fiance. It's just sort of like, I don't I think now they specifically go out and look for train wrecks. Oh, of course. Of course. And if you go back, like I started watching old reality shows. Um, and if you look at the ones that were like in the nineties, late nineties, or like the, when the first trashy reality started, mm -hmm. there's one called high society. And it's got one of the women that is the, the real housewife. She's in New York. Her name's Tinsley Mortimer or something. It was about her. Cause she's like a debutante in New, in New York or what a socialite, but like it's, horrifying to watch like there's a girl in it that's like a totally rich white girl that thinks that it's okay to to call people the n-word in a not a right way <laughs> like in in the right way for her but in not a right way for the rest of the world what if you're singing lyrics at them yeah no she's not singing <laughs> lyrics at them and it's i i just watched that my jaw dropped i'm like and this there high society is all on youtube for free and then there was like another one that oh crap it was really well, there's the, one, there's the one on Netflix right now called Too Hot to Handle. Uh, it's about a bunch of people that go to an island and they can't fuck for 30 days. And yeah. they've got to try to make deeper connections and relationships and all this. And uh, I used to just call that the Western tours of the 90s for me. <laughs> but, uh, but the reality is they all become stars now. And now they now have huge followings. Yeah. They huge money. Do they, well, they, don't, do they don't become stars. They have followings for... They become influencers. Influencers, influencers are starting to make new stars. stars. Yeah. They're the new it's stars. The I don't new like it, but that's the reality. Influencers are part of the new star system. It's true. Like, even, like, A-list celebrities have, have flocked to all these. They're on TikTok, for God's sakes. Like, TikTok yeah. is, it's, it's, TikTok is insane. I love it and hate it. Uh, but everybody, everybody's on all the social media. Even, like, celebrities are on it. Well, Florida I'll tell you. I'm glad these shows exist because it makes me want to have something called The Purge, only because I just watched the movie tonight for the first time ever with my wife. I'd never seen The Purge. I'd heard of it. I know there's all the other movies, but I watched the first one today, and it shows like the real housewives. They make me want to have a purge. <laughs> oh, yeah. So oh, reality show people would be the first to go. Yeah. You saw the first one, the one with Ethan Hawke? And... Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's probably the even though there's a massive holes in the whole story, right? But, um, it, that's probably one of the better ones. But, but I mean, none of these Instagram influencers do they go on? I mean, are, I mean, do they go on to anything or what? They, do they become go on authors. To? There yeah. are so many of them that have written books. Like, the, there's this show called Vanderpump Rules, and I think three of of the cast members who you would assume are just complete idiots have written New York Times best-selling books. They get, they become a brand. That's yes. a huge thing. Is this branding yourself? Like, yes. Why every celebrity has a perfume and a shoe line and blah 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 blah. I'm a brand. So, and you know what happens is they end up getting companies willing to give them eighteen or twenty thousand dollars just for a tweet. They just have to tweet about a product and they'll get paid twenty thousand dollars. 
you know, and so, yeah, to me, that's a star. If, if I can say, yeah, I, if you can pull that money. Yeah. If you can pull that kind of money and you've just been on a show where you can't fuck for 30 days and you're making 20 grand a tweet, there's something wrong. I hate the dating shows though, because I'm so tired of watching attractive people, like try not to fuck each other. It's like, why don't we just have some like average people on one of these shows? Like I, I've pitched to so many places, uh, a reality show called the personality where it's right. like, it's like a girl that's like normal, but with a good personality. So she's people, she, it's like one of those people that like, eventually you're like, Oh, I really like this person. Cause I like being around them type of thing. Right. And everybody on the cast has a, has a personality. And then you sprinkle in a few duds that are good looking. I mean, I'm surprised it hasn't happened yet because we've had the voice. We've had the swan. Remember the swan? Oh, the swan was problematic. I hate the word problematic, but early reality TV problematic. Tyra Banks got raked over the coals because people were going back and watching America's next top model where she was like telling girls that they should shave gaps into their teeth or that they should feel like she even went on Twitter and said, you guys are right. I'm sorry. I'm ashamed for some of the right. stuff that we did on that show. Right. All you could do. You but, I mean, all, all those shows are so interesting. Uh, like uh, back, back then. I mean, when I say back then, I mean like 2007 or 2005, because there wasn't, there wasn't Facebook and there wasn't Twitter and there wasn't right. this uh, accessibility yeah. that everybody had to, to cancel something or to express yeah. their outrage at things. I mean, I think that's why a lot of shows sort of continued on longer than they probably would before anyone could just jump on a bandwagon and be like, fuck this piece of shit. Like, yeah. Let's, well, look, like, at, look at Joe Schmo. I still think Joe Schmo still stands up. I have season one and two on DVD, and I've watched season two, which most people don't like as much as one. I've watched it three or four times with different people, all like 10 episodes. Is that episodes. the one where the guy is the only person that is an actor and everyone else yes. is an actor? Yeah. I, that's one of the best reality yeah. shows of all time yes. and they need to do it again but it's, it's really hard to do it again i guess maybe but only because of the social media angle yeah. and people can look up people and know oh that's jonathan torrance he's actually an actor right yeah person, that's an actor like a, a stand-up comic was on uh, season two um what's her name big she was a big comic out of la at the time i'll look it up and put it in later oh kirsten but, yeah. wig was on it kirsten wig was one of the actors i think on no she wasn't two. huh I'm looking this up on IMDb. IMDb is my number one used app on my Natasha, phone. Is Natasha Leggero? Is that a Leggero, yeah. Natasha Leggero? Yeah, that's yes, a comic. Yes, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. her name. She, she was, she on, was on Joe Schmo? Uh, the season, second season. And, I think, I think, and I'm pretty sure Kristen Wiig was on too, or like an SNL cast member that's moved on to something yes, uh, bigger. There was an old SNL. I'm not sure if it was Kristen Wiig. Ralph anyway, Garman was on it. Yeah, a lot of, lot of big people. What? But I mean, it's it's not like I mean, do, do you remember the show? Uh, uh, damn it! Well, Robert, Robert Belushi is he a Belushi like a real Belushi? No, he's fake. <laughs> yeah, he's fake. Um, I uh, there was that one show, and it was around sort of the, when the American Idol boom was really big, and they tried to do a spin-off, not a spin-off, but it was called um, uh, WB Superstar USA. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and, yeah. And, uh, and they they went out of their way to get the worst singers, singers, and and telling them they were great. Yep. Right, and I and I, I, a show like that, I just don't think they could do today because you watch each. I have I have a top, I have every episode on a VHS tape that I'm like transferring. Whoa. And so if you watch that, it's just now it's uncomfortable. But like I remember watching it and enjoying the fuck out of it because these people are so horrible. And yeah, if there's something that I love more than anything, it's people that are delusional and have no concept of 
who they are and what they're doing. Um, and uh, but now you kind of watch it and you just go, this is just kind of it's kind of mean and it's uncomfortable. Well- I don't know if you know this or not, but after Joe Schmo, instead of doing another season, they took Shatner, William Shatner, to a small town in America and tried to act like they were filming a fake movie and using locals as extras and like kind of pulling the rug over the locals' eyes. And it, it didn't, they never aired all the episodes. There's like 10 episodes, but they only aired like, I think, six. Okay. They had Shatner in it. This yeah. one, Jonathan Torrance was on it. Yes, season two. He yes. was Gerald, the gotta be gay guy. Yes, it's great. That's like <laughs> Natasha Leggero was Rita the drunk. Yes. Kristen Wiig was pa- Dr. Pat the quack. That's right. Yeah. That's hilarious. That's crazy. Yeah. No, that was like, that's an innovative reality show. Like, that's sort of like Truman Show esque, though. Right, right. Well, I mean, the only one that like really they gave the time for was the, the first season. Or maybe even the first two seasons of the Osbournes, where it's right. sort of like I mean they would do they would film for six months. Yes. And now it's like they film for three weeks or two weeks maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Or even that show, um, the Surreal Life, was only on. They only recorded it for a week. Oh, they're only on for like I think they were together for ten days, and they filmed eight eight to ten episodes. Right, but they would give them shit to do every yeah. every yeah. day, and so yeah. yeah. This is like finding out the Bang Bus is fake. Oh, yes. <laughs> that was upsetting. That was upsetting to find out that the bang bus was fake. You think it was upsetting oh, for you? Really, they weren't really fucking and dumping real girls. No. <laughs> I know once, yeah, that's like you finding out Santa Claus isn't real. The, uh, yeah. There was a, yeah, I was listening to one of the old episodes. Uh, and Especially uh, that one time I caught him fucking my mother. I'm like, what? Oh, it's his dad. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're just used yeah. to usually pushing your mother out of the moving car anyways. <laughs> You're like, oh, now we fucked her this time. Okay, well. Nice. Uh, but yeah, but yeah, it was, uh, it's, it's, it's hard to, it's harder to do innovative shows like that now because we've gotten so used to uh, sort of the, the wool being, being sort of, or the curtain being pulled back, I should say. Yeah. Yeah, we're all, yeah, we're all a little bit more bitter about the whole experience and we're a lot more jaded and guarded for sure. But I still think there's a possibility of finding someone who, even though they know some of them are fake now, there's been enough that are real that they still wouldn't know. And if it was done well, I think they could pull it off. Why doesn't Big Brother do that one season where all of them are actors except for one person? Well, and the- we should have uh, Trevor Boris on. Yeah. Oh, we should have Trevor on. Trevor we have him on. Trevor has my dream job. He's a reality show television producer. Like that's seriously. There's a show. Yes. Called, what's that show where it's like a, it's a scripted show, Unbelievable or something, but it's a scripted show and basically it's about like a bachelor esque show and they're filming mm-hmm. it and it is good. It is drama. Someone dies every single season. <laughs> like right. But you know, but, it, but yeah, no, Trevor Boris has a, my dream job, which is reality show television producer. And just for those people who don't know, Trevor started out as a comedian in Canada, was very successful, was on video on trial, then did a bunch of festivals and moved on to, yeah, he was started with, was it The Bachelor or Big Brother? He started Big Brother Canada. And then he, Canada. I'm pretty sure he was producing on Big Brother America for a season or two. Yes. And then he was uh, doing Hockey Wives. Oh, Which okay. Is like a Canadian version of like a Housewives style right. show. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Well, they have uh, over in the UK, they have the footballers' wives too. Yeah. So. And they got basketball so. wives in the States. There's so many wives out there. Finally, wives have a role. 
Yes. Finally, yes. That's, that's what you guys have been fighting for all these years. I know. They've been Finally, sitting around and doing nothing for so long. Yes. Finally, the wives can get off their ass and be on TV. Well, at least someone's going to film me getting drunk on mimosas, yeah. right? This is Anthony Jeselnik. That's right. Anthony Jeselnik. You're listening to Anything Goes with Darren Frost on XM Radio's Laugh Attack. That's right. Anthony Jeselnik. Mark is here. You ready? Mark is here. Let's bring on Mark Breslin. Let's see if it all works. Just let's give it a second here. I'm interested in his backdrop. Yeah, <laughs> yeah what kind of backdrop does Mark? He's got books in the background. Oh, he's a reader. Mark Breslin's a reader. Oh, here we go. Can you hear us, Mark? I certainly can. Hold on. Let me just uh, fix my uh, audio here. Okay. How do we make Mark Breslin center square? <laughs> <laughs> I have to have a failed sitcom about 10 years ago. <laughs> or a dead husband. Or a dead husband. That can help, that, too. That's true, too. Hi, everybody. Hey, Mark. Hi, Mark. Hi. <laughs> Kathleen, before we start, let me tell you, I've been um, getting all your Facebook posts. And oh, I yeah. Think I think you're looking great. And... Um, I applaud you for all the work you're doing on yourself. It's great. Thank you. Wow. Thank you. Oh, that's nice. Dave, you look the same as ever. Oh, okay, good. I was waiting yeah. for. I was waiting to hear, Dave. You've never looked worse. <laughs> all I know is, hey, you're in a swank pad. I like the. I like the look of your place, Dave. Any, well, yeah, come, on, come on over uh, anytime you'd like. Yeah, I wish I could. Believe me. I, I know it's could. great that you can offer that now with no intention of ever following through with it. That's yeah. true. Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> So, Mark, how are things? How are things with you these days? Well, I can honestly say that I have never been in a worse place in my life. I'm 68 right. years old, and this is the most miserable I've ever been. And I've been pretty miserable. This right. really reminds me of, you know, when I was in high school or, or even in university, when I wasn't very happy in those days. Um, I feel like my entire reason for being has been ripped out of me. Right. And, oh, no. uh, my, my identity is gone. Um, you know, Darren, I got into this doing what I do because sure. I didn't really fit very well in the conventional world. And right. I built a world that I could thrive in. Um, you know, Woody Allen said something interesting once. He said he was, he thought that only now, he had to be born in this time, uh, in these times where his um, abilities would be appreciated. Because if he had been born a hundred years before, his ability to be, you know, a a comedian who could make fun of his own cowardice um, would be shameful. And right. of course, now it's different. Well, I feel the same way about my life. I mean, I, I've built something also, that also I Also, Mark, if, if, if Woody would have been uh, born 100 years ago, him marrying his, uh, his daughter wouldn't have been a problem. No, they would have encouraged it. <laughs> yeah. Back. Um, so, you know, I feel, I feel really out of sorts. Uh, I'm at home all the time. I'm not a person who goes to a park anyway, so I don't care about being in the house. Right. That's not the part that bothers me. But I feel like my my whip is gone. There's well, you were no for years. You were a night owl, right? Like I mean, you were out almost every night, whether you're at the club. Obviously, age, you know, lowers that a bit. But you were still out a fair number of nights, and so that was your whole identity. I'm a very social being in yeah. a lot of ways, and it doesn't just necessarily mean comedy clubs. But I like I like sitting in a cafe and starting up a conversation with a stranger. Yeah. Um, 
I, I'm that kind of guy. And I feel that's been taken away from me. Um, my, my special abilities, I no longer have a chance to do. And so I've been reduced to the guy who has to fill the dishwasher. And right. let me tell you something. I'm not good at filling the dishwasher. Are you getting better at it? No man is good at filling the dishwasher. Not okay. one man on this planet is good at filling the dishwasher. It's true. It's okay. true. I feel it. a little better, thank you. <laughs> and I am actually quite the expert in unloading the dishwasher. Mm. I'm very good at that. I'm not a domestic person. I never was. Um, I was never messy because I never did anything in the house. But now everything is compounded by the fact that I, I have a wife, I have a child, there's three people in the house. I lived for 35 years alone and was completely happy. Right. Yeah. No, I, you know, it's one thing that I, I found kind of interesting with just sort of being locked in here, I just, I, you sort of notice how much, I, I just, I've noticed how much of my own act or even writing, the, pro, the writing process is involved in going out and being social. You forget how many jokes start off with, I was outside the other day and I couldn't believe what I saw. Or I was talking to this person the other day. I couldn't believe what they said. You have a cat. <laughs> yeah, there's another one too. I love cats. Yeah. Cats are awesome. D Dave has eight hours of material on cats now. I know. Well, everyone's just gonna have COVID. Guess you've been trying. Guess you want to get into Just for Laughs this year. Yes. <laughs> yeah, this Started is gonna be my year. year. This was my year. Yeah. This uh, this way of socializing, because you said you're a social person, this way of socializing is bullshit. Because I had a my birthday on April 5th. So I had a, I have, I had a birthday of solitude. I had a COVID birthday and I tried to set up a zoom thing where I ha could have a lot of people show up and it failed, but uh, I did have a zoom party and Mark, it's a kind of funny because I was really drunk at my zoom birthday <laughs> and uh, all of a sudden it says, Mark Breslin wants to join your party. I'm like, what? <laughs> Mark Breslin wants to join my party. Uh, it was Paul Meyerhog. <laughs> he oh. just, <laughs> he represented himself as you, but it was very funny. I was like, oh, this is nice. I would have joined had I known about it. <laughs> oh, I know. I know you would have. I didn't know. I can't figure out Zoom. This this is actually making me feel really old, and I don't like it because this technology, like, I'm the one that's at the end of the Zoom. Like, how do I close this? What do I, how am I, what am I, can you hear? That's me all the time on Zoom. And well, I think what it's proven is... <laughs> It's proven its assets and it's also proven its liabilities. For sure. If anybody tells me, oh, well, you know, when everything goes back to normal, we'll still be doing Zoom comedy no. shows, no. I think they're crazy. No. no. They're crazy. But I think pe people will use it for meetings uh, yeah, more than, sure. than, than people were using it before. I think it's good for meetings. It's fine for meetings. It's not good for entertaining people. No, it is such an obvious, desperate stopgap, but not as desperate as the two comics that I know of that are advertising, if you pay them $100, they'll mm -hmm. come to your, to your backyard and they will entertain you. Oh. I think not if they as came to my backyard and just rake some leaves or something like that, I'd be more impressed with that. Yeah. Not as desperate as the drive-in comedy show that I heard about, um, where you drive your car up and you yep. watch the comic on stage, I assume blown up on, on a screen, right. but you can't hear the laughter. So right. I said to them, well, what about the laughter? They said, well, I'll get them to honk their horns. Well, there's, there's an old Steve Martin story that he tells about the, the worst show that he ever did, where um, it was he was a comic at a drive-in, and he asked the owner of the drive-in, well, how am I going to know if people are laughing? 
and the dry and the uh, and and the owner of the drive-in said, "Oh, I've told everybody that if you're laughing, just uh, flash your uh, head uh, headlights." So oh. it was just he was up yeah. on up on the same stage as where the movie would be. How desperate do we have to be right. to do this? How desperate do we well, have to be? Comedians, well, we're all comedians desperate, are desperate people. people. Are, I think, yeah, yeah you, I think you should know more than anybody that comedians are desperate people. I've never taken this much time off of comedy since I started. Like this has been really yeah, weird. Either. It's also been really kind of nice. I've kind of been enjoying like not having to drive somewhere every weekend and like, but it, I do, I miss it. I'm like, I'm sure as soon as I get back up there for the first time, it'll be You'll like, be oh, glad to get back. yeah, but yeah, but comics are desperate. So that's why comics are doing zoom shows and like, and everything because they just want to stay relevant. Also, how many of us are going to forget a whole bunch of our stuff? Like, I don't write everything down. I record every show, but like, I just, I can't even, I, I, if I have to headline, it's like, I've got to remember my headline set and I haven't done it in two months. You Weird. will remember it. It will come back to you. It's like riding a bike. You'll get it. Don't worry about that. But do you think it will be very different? Do you think it'll be very like, cause what do, what do you have to do to reopen? <coughs> well, excuse me. It varies province to province. The provinces are the ones who uh, are the places, are the constituencies that actually decide what's going to happen. So I hear it seems like Edmonton, the club in Edmonton, is going to open pretty soon. It's open. Um, they, they had shows this weekend. No, the, the club yuck. in um, yeah. the other club. Oh, had. Yuck Yucks. Oh, yeah, yeah. But Yuck Yucks should be open in about three weeks, we think. That's good. Which is great. Um, Vancouver, we're waiting to hear whether we're classified as a pub or a bar. And it makes all the difference in the world. If it's a pub, yes, we can open. If it's a bar, no, we can't. Not yet. Um, in Ontario, we're waiting for the provincial government to say, um, yes, you can have people in a room. Uh, the restaurants aren't even open yet. So we're, it'll all sort out probably by the end of the summer. I assume all the clubs will be open on a limited basis you know, 50% capacity or a, 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 um, a cap on the number of people. Um, the waitresses will have to wear masks. Uh, you know, there'll be all kinds of uh, protocols that will have to be established. So the question is, at what point as a customer do you go, you know what, it's not worth it. It's not fun yeah, anymore. Yeah, that was gonna be my question. Yeah, that's exactly it, yeah. Uh, you go you go to a comedy club to kind of let go, and if you're constantly reminded that everyone around you is toxic and potentially lethal, how much fun can you really have? So that's that's a question that has yet to be determined. Um, my partner, uh, my franchisee in Toronto, um, said he thinks the real issue is going to be fear and that people will be afraid to go out. And I know I said, well, I think anybody over forty will be afraid to go out, but people under that age. They think they're, you know, they can't get hurt. They're, they're invincible. Young people always have felt invincible. Um, when you take a look at those pictures of all the people on the beaches in Florida and you zoom in on them, they're all young people. They're not older people that are out there trying to get a tan. So I think because comedy clubs usually have a younger demographic, I think there's a pretty good chance that we'll have an audience um, out there. But um, if we can only have a ha half houses, I doubt that we will start flying people in back and forth. I think we'll be using local or regional um, right. acts in each place until things open up. I also don't want to put people on a plane. I think there's nothing more toxic than a plane or an elevator. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to contribute to that. Um, 
So there, there's all those things. We're going to have a crappy year. I think we just all have to accept that. We're going to have right. a crappy, crappy year. But I think within, I'm hoping, and I think within a year, things will normalize to the point where you'll be able to go out and you won't have to be, you know, super, super worried about stuff. I know, I know I was listening to one podcast and it was, um, uh, he's on the Daily Show. Uh, Roy Wood Jr. was just talking about, like, how is it going to be your first time up on stage and then somebody in the audience coughs or something like that? I mean, do you respond to that? You know, do you call that out? I mean, it's, it's sort of one of those... You know, one of those moments, even even if like a one of like a server drops a, a glass or something like that and it breaks, do you, you know, there's some comics that oh, I've got to make a mention of that. That just happened. That or uh, or I just go on with the rest of my act. And well, Dave, I'll go further than that and ask you whether you think people are going to be able to do. Well, their people will be under some sort of pressure to do COVID nineteen material, or whether everybody will be so sick of it that it's right. the last thing they'll want to hear. I'm I'm open for sick of it. Yeah, I'm hoping, yeah, I'm hoping too, for the, the Trump effect there. I'm hoping for the Trump effect where people are just kind of tired of it. We all went through it, kind of. I don't mind a little bit of material, yeah. but I don't want to hear a, like, you know, 10, 15 minute chunk on it because for the most part, it won't be that original. No, and it's all talked out. Yeah. You know, there isn't a point of view that we haven't heard. Right. So yeah. there isn't a joke that we haven't heard. Right. People are uh, talking about like microphones. Do you think that it's going to become like uh, you bring your own microphone? Because I've always wanted like a Swarovski studded microphone. So like clubs are just going to have to provide a cord now and we just walk up with our own mic. I've wanted that for years. I've Sounds advocated good. that for years. If I were still on stage, I would bring my own microphone. Mm. Um, what did, uh, was it Kennison who called it the dick of death? I'm not <laughs> sure, but somebody uh, called it that. And, and it's true. I mean, it's just full of toxic stuff. So, you know, I don't know how much, a microphone's not that expensive. You should have that as your, it's part of your, you know, job. Bring yeah. your own mic. For sure. Yeah. Definitely. Do you think that, um, sorry, do you think that anyone, um, like, do you think anyone, because of this long break, uh, do you think this is going to weed out any comedians that have been like, I've been taking a break too long, so I'm just going to stop? Or do you think anyone has actually started doing stand-up during the quarantine and, and just doing Zoom shows? And then once they got up in front of a real audience, they're going to be like, oh, my God, this is not what hmm. I thought it was. Well, I first of all, it's only been eight weeks. Right. You know, I mean, let's put it into some kind of perspective here. It hasn't been years. Right. It's only been eight weeks. It just shows you how important all of this is to us. Uh, and maybe not so important to the general public, but to us, it's really important, but it's only been eight weeks. Um, I don't think um, anybody would be weeded out of the game because of eight weeks. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if there's going to be as much work when we all start going back, and that might weed some people out. I mean, I've read stuff, uh, postings on Facebook of comics I know say, well, you know, I'm gonna, I think maybe it's time for me to get my real estate license to fall back on or right. you know start working retail thing about working retail or whatever they can do or uh, an IT job so i think that some people might it might take a while for things to get back to normal and people who are used to making some kind of a decent living won't find that and they have to expand what they do but there's also you, the, the effect of you know like a big headliner who would normally play a theater now we'll have to probably drop down and maybe do a comedy club. So therefore headliners at the normal level of comedy clubs might have to drop down and just be a feature for a while or a middle, you know, because of, there's only so many spots. And I think that is going to be a factor because giant theaters aren't going to be open before probably smaller comedy clubs will be. Right. But then there's also the issue of people coming across a border. 
right now. You couldn't even bring in an act if you wanted to. It's interesting that um, I think the comic strip in um, in Edmonton, they are only announcing, they only announced one big show, but the big show was uh, Tom Green and um, Harlan Williams package. Well, right. they both have Canadian passports. They'll right. be able to get into the country because the country yeah, will not smart. stop anybody with a Canadian passport. Yeah, that's but anybody with an American passport know, will know they can't get into the country so easily. So this is good news for Canadian comics who finally are going to get the spots that are always given to like the big name Americans. Like it's, I mean, it's kind of good news for us if the border stays closed for a while. Wouldn't it be great if Just for Laughs had an all Canada year? That they would never do that. They'd rather cancel the festival than even do that. Give me a break. I I I just wanted to put that out there. I, yeah, I don't think that would happen. Um, that that organization is so big and needs so much money coming in that I don't think there are enough Canadian comics who could draw enough people to to be able to satisfy their economic needs. Right. It's different for me. You know, I'm in a great position. I, I love the scale I play on. 200 seats, maybe 300 seats. Right. You can do a lot with that. You can really rock and roll. When you're starting to have to fill theaters and amphitheaters, your hands are tied. You can only book certain acts. You can right. only have certain kinds of shows. It's, I don't think it's got to be that enjoyable for, for people who are in that position. I also mean it's good for Canadian comics because maybe more people are going to discover Canadian comics because that's all that's going to be able to play at the clubs right now. And if you want to go out, you're going to go and see someone headline who maybe would have just middled or hosted and you're going to be like, oh, this person's great. Like, maybe people are going to start to be able to see our talent. So that's kind of, it's very cool. It's very cool. And it's not like that hasn't been that way at Yak Yaks because you've always been very, very Canadian. But yes, I mean, but, like, but, but, but here's the problem. So sure, we'll put on these acts we always have and they'll headline and people will laugh their asses off. And then at the end of the show, they the audience files out and the club owner goes up and says, okay, hey, hey, uh, who did you like? I love the third guy. Really, uh, what was his name? I don't know. I don't remember. Unless you have a media scape that supports what goes on in the local clubs, it really doesn't help people's um, ability to build up an audience. Yeah, the otherwise, isn't there. Yeah. Otherwise, you have to do it. Um, you know, finding one or two people uh, at a time when you're on Facebook or or Instagram. That's like trying to get rich collecting pop bottles. I guess you could do it, but your hands would bleed. Oh, so I should stop doing that. <laughs> no, because it's the only thing you can do. No. Yeah. But Dave, wouldn't it be a better world if there were, you know, uh, a dozen shows out there, yeah. TV shows, mainstream like network television shows or streaming shows that people could watch that would feature Canadian comics doing their act or doing a kind of a round table, you know. They have these in Britain and I've never understood why they don't do them here. I d- Mark, yep. I've said it so many times. Britain and the panel shows. Yeah. Like, it's, it's why it has not happened here with the CBC or anyone. I know it's been pitched. I mean, even still standing, that was pitched five times before the Johnny Harris version came out. I know four or five comics have pitched a very similar idea. And right. it's five or six people to go in there till they finally go, oh, maybe. And now they have a semi hit on their hand. It just doesn't make sense. Panel shows are cheap and easy, and it plays to the benefits and the strengths of all the comics. I, I don't want to say that I don't want to say that comedians aren't easy to work with, but I'll, I just I always had this fear that a lot of networks like CBC and CTV don't want to give 
stand-up comics too much freedom on TV. And I, I just, I, I can see us getting sort of wild and out of control. I think there's still a bit Good. of a stigma Good. attached to some of Dave, it. I mean, whoever controls the editing controls the show. The network has nothing to fear because they're still in charge. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I, I agree. I just, I, you know, you see shows like Mock the Week and, uh, you know, uh, what's the one that Jimmy Carr hosts? Um, uh, nine out of ten casts. Yeah. And he just, and it, yeah, it's just such a simple format. You don't really realize like how. I mean, David Spade, his had his show was basically a roundtable, like Larry Wilmore, before, right after the Daily Show. Um, uh, his show was a, a roundtable one as well, and. It's such yeah, a, so why doesn't Canada do them? You're naming all the ones from Britain and the U.S. Even the U.S. is doing them, but Canada just won't. They're just Canada not doesn't doing, do any producing. They're just not anything. doing them. I don't know why. Yeah. I can't tell you why. It's a big conundrum to me because, as Darren said, they're cheap. They're easy to produce. Um, they create stars, um, and CBC especially wants some kind of star system. They're invested in that. Mm -hmm. um, it just kind of makes no sense to me. Well, that George One of the many things that makes no sense to me. I mean, George Stravolopoulos had a show like that for a little while, but then it just, I don't... It was more the George Stravolopoulos show. It wasn't... Yeah, it wasn't, yeah. No. no. He was very about himself on that show. Right, well... It was very George you know, I show. saw there's a, there's a little story, um, and I don't know if this is true or not, a little bit of an urban legend, Mark, and I've never heard this one, that at the time when CBC had comics and comedy now going, both stand-up special type shows, uh, CBC Comics got canceled, and the main reason was is because they felt that we already have comedy now on now, taking care of that kind of segment, we're going to stop doing it. And at the time, comics was the lowest per dollar show that they had on the air per viewer. That's how successful it was. And that was one of the reasons I heard that that show got stopped. Because, well, Tommy now is kind of doing it. We don't want to fight for comics. We'll do something else. And to me, that is so typical Canadian in the way of the mentality. It's like Subway. Oh, Mr. Sub, Mr. Sub, oh, Subway's coming. We're going to start selling burgers now. It just doesn't make sense. Well, it's the same sort of mindset that allows any of the networks to have one sitcom on at any given time. Right. So, you know, Mr. D's a success. Somebody goes and says, hey, Mr. D's a success. Here's a new sitcom. And they go, no, we've got one already. Thank you yeah. very much. Yeah. And, and that happens over and over and over again. And it's not just the CBC. It's, I'm, in fact, CBC is probably better than, than CTV or Global or anybody else. But um, right. uh, it's the same, it's the same mentality. We already have one. Thank you. We want one of everything. Well, it's even comedy shows get that. We already have one woman on the show. We already have one visible minority on the show for years. And it took years for that to stop. It's not that way anymore. But it did take years, even in her own backyard, to stop. Yeah. I do think I realized how to get a television show in Canada, like a, like a, a sitcom style. You have to set it in a small town. If you think about all the ones that of they course. produce. We've got Schitt's Creek. We've got Letterkenny. We've got even Mr. D is like it's in Halifax. It's not yeah. a big city. Corner Gas. It, Corner Gas. If you set it in a small town, CBC's like, that's so original and brilliant and cool. <laughs> like, let's do it. Well, look at The Office. The Office was not an expensive show to shoot. Yeah. It was, it was a filmed in like pretty much like just old office building that's sitting there empty and they got 10 episodes out of it. And it was, you know, letting people do improv, kind of the script, what they're good at. I'm surprised Second City hasn't done a show like that. Me too, especially because they have that relationship with Christopher Guest, um, yes. who I think is the best of 
any of that sort of genre. I think there's nobody better than Christopher Guest at that kind of stuff. Now, have you, had you, did you ever meet Fred Willard, Mark? Yes, not only did I meet him, um, in 1979 I produced um, the first, well, it was actually the first uh, TV show I ever produced. It was a special for Global TV, um, which was a Yuck Yuck special. And we brought Fred Willard in to be the host. Oh. Um, and he, he was fantastic on it. Um, and he was a fantastic guy to work with. He was so funny and so generous and all the things that you heard about after he died and the people were making posts, it's all true. Um, he, was, he was just fantastic. Yeah, I've, I've never heard a bad thing ever said about him. And he can literally be the highlight to any movie. Uh, it's like the, the best in show, one of my favorites, where everyone just lo loves the commentary between the two, you know, uh, the, 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 the commentators watching the Westminster Dog Show. That's, oh, yeah. that's the favorite scene for so many people. And, and, I, and I always loved the, the Fernwood Tonight, too. Like, yeah. him and Martin Mull were great back and forth. Fred Willard elevates any material that he's given. Mm -hmm. For sure. Always. And he had the ideal it, career. It, it's a great loss. But I had no idea he was 86 years old, by the I way. I didn't either. He seems kind of ageless. Yes. He, I thought he was, like, in his maybe late 60s, seriously. When I found yeah. out he was, he was in his 80s, I was like, oh, wow. Well, mm -hmm. but... He had the he had the dream career, right? Where you get to work on so many projects, but you don't have to be like super uber famous where it's like an un, unbearable life. But he, and he always, anytime he showed up in a movie, it made people happy or a TV yeah. show, it made people happy. Yeah, he, he was so great. Good. He was just great. Well, I'm not sure if you got my, uh, my message, Mark. I wanted to ask you um, a, a couple questions and one of them was, if you can name for me three people that you think in Canada, whether comedy, comic, or person in comedy, that never really got their due in this country. Because I think you have a unique perspective of obviously time and what you've done. And a lot of times, you know, it's not really Canadian to kind of big someone up. But I thought I'd like to ask you to name at least three. Well, my answer probably won't be much different than anybody else's answers mm -hmm. to that. The first one is obviously Mike McDonald. Right. Mike McDonald should have been a superstar. Mike McDonald was that good. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, Mike McDonald also was beset by many demons, personal mm -hmm. demons. Right. And he also never looked right on TV or in film. He was waxy. And um, now maybe um, things have changed and you don't have to have a comic who, you know, we went through that phase where com comics had to have a nice symmetrical face. Right. Um, the Jim Carrey phase, the leading man phase. But before that, when you turned on Ed Sullivan and you watched these stand-ups, they were these kind of warty Jewish guys. Oh, Jackie you know? Mason, yeah. Right? They weren't handsome people. No. Um, Did you say warty? Warty. W-A-R-T-Y. Yeah, yeah, warty. That's a terrible adjective to have, like, as a description for yourself. Yeah. But go ahead. Well, Very if warty. they were warty Jews, I guess they'd be warty Morty. Um, but, um, <laughs> And, and now it's changed a bit, too, because of all the um, indie uh, and alternative comics that, that are out there that also aren't, you know, conventional leading people. Um, but Mike McDonald, unfortunately, sort of hit his stride when everybody wanted a leading man uh, with, a, with a nice uh, haircut. And that wasn't Mike. That was never Mike. But Mike was as good as anybody in the world. Really? Oh, I saw him in Ottawa probably three years ago, and he was he was writing all this. He always had new material. He had amazing material on feminism, and like he like a lot of men like to like say I'm a feminist, and like I don't know. But there's just a way like you're like no Mike McDonald is on our team, <laughs> like the way he wrote about stuff. 
he was just so so talented. You're you so right. You think it's just sometimes that like people just can't figure out what the right project is for someone, and, or they? I mean, there's so many comics that I know of, and you kind of look at them, and you start thinking, you know, if, if I was a decision maker in Hollywood, what project would I give this guy to showcase them? It's like, um, I, I, and, and so many comics have sort of put them in themselves into this little box and you just try to think of, well, what, what could they do inside of that that you could make a show out of that would really be able to showcase their talents? I mean, I, mean, I, I love Mike McDonald, but I'm still not too sure what Mike McDonald's, like if I was going to pitch a sitcom, what, what is the situation that Mike would be in? Funny Army Sergeant. Yeah. 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 You know, you have to start with a person's physicality sure. and you have to make it work for the fact is that he's not a funny looking guy is mm -hmm. so, uh, kind of serious looking is kind of what his asset is. But you have to sort of twist it around to make him some kind of an authority figure that can't isn't very good at being uh, authoritative. Right. You know what? I, I, I compare him like I always thought he would have been a great character actor in the same way that Rick Overton is a great character actor. He doesn't always have to be a lead in something, but he's a perfect kind of guy on the sides of pushing the main story. I okay. always thought that. To that end, I recently rewatched um, Comics, which is the movie that was made in 1980 mm -hmm. um, with just about everybody who was involved in comedy at the time in it. Right. I got to tell you, Mike steals the show. Right. Steals the movie. Um, he's that good. And he had also, he didn't have the lead. Um, the lead was a guy who had two movies and then he went into the shoe business. But, um, but Mike was, uh, was, he steals the show. He steals right. the show from Mandel. He steals the show from, from everybody. So Mike is that good. Mike was all, always that good. And uh, Kathleen, you saw him three years ago in Ottawa. But if you had seen him 20 years oh. ago. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You would have been, you would have been Blown so away. about what he would do. He would do four hours on stage as a headliner, come back the next night, and do a whole new four hours. That's insanity and amazing. Well, you know, it's funny because Kenny, we, me and Kenny Robinson talk a lot about comics. And, you know, I'm not a huge fan of Kinnison in terms of some of the stuff he does. But he said, you know, Darren, you never saw him live. If you would have saw it live, it's just not the same thing. It was groundbreaking. And he always said the same thing about Mike McDonald. He said, right. you just can't capture what happened in those comedy clubs back in those days of those three-hour shows. I know people say the same thing about Bill Hicks too. Bill Hicks is one of those comics that, you know, I mean, he had, he only did about four specials. Um, and uh, it's, and I've heard so many people say that, you know, even those, so specials don't do him justice. Cause if you actually ever saw him live yeah. in a real club, it's just not the same. And I think that that's, I think that's, that's true of a lot of people because I mean, one of the bad, one of the shitty things about television is that they want to take a comedian and they want to put him somewhere that he's not, I'm not going to say not comfortable in, but I mean, you know, I mean, I can see Mike, I can see Mike McDonald as a drill sergeant or, you know, taking care of like a Sergeant Bilko or something like that. Yeah. But I also, but it's sort of like, but he's also not that. So it's, it's, it, it's a weird balance. It's, I always found that too about uh, Don Rickles. I mean, Don Rickles had about, four or five or six sitcoms that he was in. And I don't think he ever lasted more than a season. And they, and they never seemed to find a good place to put Don Rickles to be his onstage character, but in an environment that wasn't on stage. 
but they still that, kept trying. But they still kept trying with Don Rickles. That's the difference. Yeah. Right. Well, it's a different country. I yes. think also, but I think when Mike McDonald moved to the States, that was not a good move for him. Mm -hmm. um, it never took off for him when he moved to the States, particularly. Right. So I don't, I don't know. I don't okay. know. It, he should have, anyway, he should, he's, he should have been a star. All right. So who's number two? Well, you kind of mentioned him already. Kenny Robinson. Totally. I, don't, I don't understand. I think in any other country, um, Kenny would be um, considered a national treasure. Um, but here he's just a guy who, you know, gets gigs from time to time and people sing his praises, but the people who sing his praises are other comics. You need, yep. a, big, you need a wider group of people to, sure. to ad admire you to be able to get to the place where you really want to get to. Um, I, you know, they gave him that sketch show way After back. After Hours. Yeah, sorry? After Hours. That yep. was, it was called, what about Thick yep. and Thin? That was his, uh, his one hour CBC special. <laughs> that him and, him and Ronnie was called Thick and Thin. It was just a one hour special. Oh, okay. That led him to host a Gemini's and a couple years later on the Comedy Network, he had After Hours, the, the sketch show you're talking about. Yeah, okay, I, I forgot it was called After Hours. Yeah. I'm not sure that that really showed his, his true abilities. I mean, to me, you just let him talk. You just let him yeah. talk about what's going on in his world and the world around him. And, you know, I know he's kind of sweaty, um, which is not always um, user friendly, but I still think that he should have been much more appreciated and a much, much better known in this country. Well, he, yeah, I, I think Kenny Robinson need like a Bill Maher sort of style show where he could sort of go through the news of the week and, and have guests on that could be opinion. No, I got to disagree there. He's not cool enough for that. Kenny is a hot, what McLuhan would have called a, a hot performer, right. not a cool one. Um, I think Kenny makes a better guest than a host. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so I'm not sure that's it. But in some way or shape or form, Kenny should have been our, our Carlin. Yeah. And there just, it doesn't seem to be room for somebody like that. It, I don't know who that would be. Well, it's very, it's funny because I used to say it all the time. I get tired of people telling me I'm great, pay my rent cunt. That was kind of my motto for a long time. And I feel the same way about Kenny. You know, so many people tell me they think Kenny is great. And then even people in the business who can do something, tell me he's great and then don't do anything. They don't book him even for a small role on something or try to help him out. Some have, don't get me wrong, but not everybody has. Well, and you're you right. Of, you kind of get tired of it after a while. No, well, you're right. I mean, you know, it's, it's, we're talking about injustice. So yeah. there's an injustice. Right. For sure. And Gary, you're never going to have anybody pay your rent if you call them a cunt. It's just, no one's going to know. Actually, Darren, I just want to know if rent cunt is one word or two. <laughs> it, it depends if my kids are around. All right. If my kids are around, it's one. You said pay my rent cunt. And yeah. I thought, oh, that's an interesting word. I didn't know that yeah. word. Um, uh, if I have to pick a third, maybe all the way back to Steve Brinder. Um, right. Brinder was an amazing comic and uh, you know I don't get along with him at all and I never did but I can't deny the force that he brought to the stage uh, and the intelligence that he brought to the stage he would do pieces actual like little mini dramas that he yep. would act out and uh, and do stuff and become characters and play them all out and then it would have a really interesting twist and a punchline at the end but it was still stand-up right um, he was a very unique guy but hated the business, hated the business, hated the business, right. and you could never do anything with him. And eventually, he was his own worst enemy, or 
he was absolutely right. The business is a horrible thing, place to be in, and, and anybody with any sensitivity shouldn't be in it. Right. For sure. Who was the very first woman that you saw get up and do stand-up and you thought, oh my God, she's great? Marjorie Gross. Marjorie Gross. Now, never, and of course well, never you should know about her. I should know about her. That's why. Good. She's a part of our history. Marjorie Gross was around at the very early part of, of Yuck X. In fact, she goes back as far with me as Harborfront, which would have been 1974 or 75. Wow. Um, Marjorie Gross, um, incidentally, is um, uh, Spencer Rice, you know, from Kenny Spenny. It's her mm -hmm. cousin. Okay. That's, that's their cousins. And, and, that's, and that's how I met Spencer all that, those years ago. Um, Marjorie was so far ahead of her time in terms of her stand-up, she was doing very sophisticated New York kind of um, lifestyle, um, downtown Soho, loft-inspired, um, uh, the writer of Fran Lebowitz kind of stuff. Now, the reason you don't know her, because she went to New York, she moved to New York 78 or 79, but started writing for shows, and she wrote many of the Seinfelds that you probably like. Um, unfortunately, she got breast cancer and died, uh, she was maybe 42, 43. Wow. Uh, this would have been 15, 20 years ago. But here's something you can look up. Just before she died, weeks before she died, she published um, a piece in the New Yorker magazine called uh, Death Becomes Me, where um, there was a picture of her, bald, of course, from all the, the, the treatments, yep. um, which was very radical in those days. People didn't embrace that like they do today. Uh, and one of the funniest, funniest written pieces I've ever read. So see if you can look it up and find it. Death Becomes Me, Marjorie Gross. Marjorie was fantastic. Was she a cast member on a show? That, I mean, that name sounds so familiar. No, I don't believe she was ever on the show, although maybe she did a walk-on or, or something, but she never did any significant work on the show itself as an actor. Oh, okay. I, remember that. I know that name. She stopped doing stand-up around 82, 83. Uh, but I would book her all the time um, whenever she was coming to town to visit relatives. I would have her headline at the club. She was best friends with Sandra Bernhardt. Oh, um, oh wow, that's cool. The, um, Kathleen, the other, um, the other two women that were really important in those days were um, Sheila Gostick. Does that name mean anything to you? I've heard that name, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Sheila was amazing. She was just a, a completely different other kind of person. She was... First of all, she loved country music. She would dress up like a country and Western singer. Um, she had a bit of a weird um, thing in her in her voice. Uh, uh, like a voice problem. She had a problem with her voice. We're talking about sort of like this. Um, but her material was absolutely brilliant. Um, and now I think she's an anti-poverty activist in Toronto. I don't think she ever performs anymore. And the third important woman at the time was Marla Lukowski. Yes, yes. I've heard that. Um, yeah. Used the guitar. She was a guitar act mm -hmm. and uh, did a lot of re really funny sort of song parodies. I mean, she was kind of a female version of Steve Schuster in a lot of ways. Marla got cancer, beat it, and now uh, does sort of uh, she does speeches and she does funny speeches about um, you know dealing coping with with health issues. I still talk to Marla a lot. That's awesome. Yeah. We need to know more about because I I all I hear all the time is our about the men all the time and I know so many men like 
that are legends in Canada, but you re I really rarely never hear, I can't, I never hear those names pop up. So I, I really like hearing it. <laughs> like it's very what cool to this, hear. What about this name, Katie Ford? Does that name mean anything to you? I don't know, no, no. So no, Katie Diane Ford was, I think the youngest person ever to be on stage as, a, as, a, as an ongoing Yuck X comic. Mm -hmm. um, she was 14, uh, 15, um, and uh, she was really funny, really smart, and eventually she wrote Miss Congeniality for Sandra Bullock. Oh, wow, that's cool. She now lives in Toronto and is partners with, um, business partners with Maggie Casella. Okay, you know yeah. Maggie? Yeah. 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 Okay, she's business partners with Maggie Casella. Uh, they do um, they have a business to um, help uh, uh, people who are, uh, uh, usually gay but it doesn't necessarily have to be gay it's somehow that they're they're marginal and so they've been marginalized and uh how to take their work online so that's what she's doing that's cool well and, and doesn't jenny jones wasn't she originally canadian i thought jenny jones was canadian jenny jones is from london ontario but never did stand up in toronto and in yeah. canada until she was already a star in in the states yeah so what, what made her a star in the states was that show Oh, okay, because I thought she went from stand-up to that, or talk show. Well, yes. didn't she, she Mark, yeah. didn't she, didn't she, she was one of the original, um, also the, I guess, the, the woman who did stand-up in her wedding dress, what was her name? Oh, you mean Judy Tenuta? No, no, not Judy. Oh, no, the other Judy. one, I know, Solomon, oh, uh, yeah. I, she was married to um, the, that agent. Yes. Uh, but I can't remember her name. Anyways. Jenny Jones started out by doing female-only shows, and that That's started right. drumming up yeah, women of a the lot night. of women of the night, women-only shows, and yes. that really took off and put her on the map, and that led to her getting that show for Jenny Jones, the show. Yeah, I mean, I don't think she was ever that great a comic, um, and I always kind of, I may have disparaged her a bit by saying she's an, one of the comics I call it, Am I Right Ladies comic? Oh, right. no. <laughs> yeah. After every line, it's, Am I Right Ladies? You know? Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But you know, like she had a hook. She had a hook, and she used it. So she she didn't have that much of a stand-up career after her talk show. Well, yeah. No, yeah. Well, yeah. Maybe after Trial by Media becomes bigger on Netflix, she can come back and do a comedy tour. <laughs> have, yeah, you seen have you heard about TikTok and all this stuff? Do you think the people that are on TikTok are going to start thinking that they're comedians and? Oh they're yeah, gonna they're gonna start thinking they're comedians. Doesn't mean they're gonna be comedians. You know? yeah, yeah, but I'm like, is somebody gonna show up and be like, I can't lip sync to uh, to Dennis Leary, like, or something like that? I'm sure it's gonna happen. I'm sure that um, people who um, run clubs that have people come in and want to see good comedy are gonna want to see something better than that. The audience oh, yeah. talk is twelve. Well, well I, mean, I mean, people I'm, come out once, but I mean, to see the stars of TikTok. But I can't see anybody being like, ooh, we got to go back. You know, I mean, it's Mark, I don't know if, I, if you, you remember this story or not, but there was a time where you hired um, Screech. Oh, yeah. And, and uh, Screech was performing <laughs> at the downtown. And I came late. I didn't know it was Screech was at the club. And I came into the club. And it was after the show. And you came up to me. And there was all these people were crying because they saw Screech, oh my God. And you said to me, Darren, Darren, did you see the 20 people crying? I said, oh, like the 400 leaving? They were crying like this. And you grabbed me and went, Darren, don't go near Screech. Don't go near Screech, Darren. <laughs> well, considering he was um, 
he, he was busted for, for uh, beating people up. It's a good yes. thing he didn't go up. Yeah, I know. I at the time. Yeah. Is there somebody that you really regret ever booking other than Screech? <laughs> yeah, there were a couple of bad bookings. Um, there was, a, there was, okay, let me remember, Randy Credico. Who is Does that? this mean anything? No, no. So Randy Credico was, uh, Randy Credico was an avowed Marxist, communist. Um, <laughs> wait, 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 it gets better. Oh, I this bet. This is just the beginning. He yeah. was an impressionist who was um, an avowed Marxist and communist party member. He did the Tonight Show, and when he sat down to do panel, did this diatribe uh, to Johnny uh, about uh, about capitalism, and he never he, he never worked again on TV. But I thought, eh, interesting guy. Mm -hmm. So I booked him, and he was a complete asshole and a complete prick. And it's like I, I just couldn't wait for the week to be over. Right. Okay. I want you to flash forward many, many, many years, and the name Randy Credico starts to come up in. Um, uh, in the Trump world, because he'd flipped over all the way over to some right wing kind of position yep. and had some kind of, I, I'm sorry, I can't remember exactly what it is. It's such a long cast of characters there, but he was somehow involved with pa Paul Manafort and the Trump campaign. Right. And it made perfect sense in the end. So I know right. oh, I did not enjoy booking Randy Credico. Um, but if you're asking me to name you a name of somebody everybody would know that I regretted, no, I don't think so. But didn't you guys book Margaret Show in the beginning before she had a, a headlining act? That doesn't mean she wasn't funny, but, and maybe you didn't, but I know the Coys through Yuck Yucks when they owned, they booked her for four like weeks and it did not go well because at the time she wasn't really a headliner. She had like 10 minutes and, you know, because of her name and everything, people book her and we understand that, but it didn't really work out. I don't remember it because what I remember is I remember doing Toronto and she did just fine. Right. Um, in fact, I have a picture right there on my wall here at home in my home office of me and uh, Margaret Cho together. So, oh, uh, now, no, I mean, afterwards she came back stronger than ever, but right. she even in other interviews said that she got a little too much too quick and she had to go back to LA and do the alternative rooms and kind of reassess and refigure it out. And she did. And, and she's a killer now, but you know, I wouldn't want to have that. You know, you're, you all of a sudden you got a catchphrase on a TV show and now you're a headliner and you, you know, you may have five minutes. It's not an easy thing. Well, all well, I can say to that, I only have one thing to say to that. Dynamite! Well, <laughs> fair, fair. Last Comic Standing did that too, though. Last Comic Standing, um, because it was like you, you got five minutes. If you had a really great five minutes set, you might get moved forward and move forward. And there was that one comic that I remember, I can't remember his name. I think he was Filipino. No, Dat Fan. Dat Fan? Yes. First yeah, guy, yeah, Dat Fan. And he was doing well on the show, but then he started getting booked to headline and he had like 10 minutes. And then you never heard from him again because no one rebooked him because he bombed those minutes. It's like the same reason why you don't want to be a Just for Laughs your first year or two in comedy. Well, I mean, that, that, I mean, that last comic standing show, I remember that uh, I think when they were in, well, I think Los Angeles and... Um, I mean, to me, uh, that show just sort of exposed itself that it was basically not really about stand-up comedy. It was more about producers and finding, like, uh, someone that they could almost mold a sitcom around. I remember when uh, uh, Nikki Payne was on that show, and she came out, and she basically just said hi to the two producers, 
on stage, and before she could even get a complete sentence out, they asked her, is your voice real? And she was like, yes, it is. And they were like, great, you're on, you're coming back tonight. Yeah. And then it was just like, well, that's, you're, you've kind of, you've kind of shot your wad there. So it's like, well, now, now we know what you're really about. You know, we're, you're, we're not about great comics doing stand-up. You're, we're about trying to find, a, you know, a wacky neighbor in a sitcom or something like that. It I'm not taking be. anything away from her as a comic, but I'm just saying. I had a discussion uh, in the 80s with Jim McCauley, who used to be the comedy booker on The Tonight Show. Yeah. And he was my sort of counterpart. I was working for Joan. I had that job. And he was working on The Tonight Show. And he said that they would not uh, book anybody on the show um, unless they felt they had two more spots that they could do. Mm-hmm. I said, no, I'll put anybody on that has a good, you know, the good five minutes, the good six minutes. I said, because I can't be certain that this show is going to be around in another couple right. of years. Right, yeah. right. I'm going to give other people the, the shot. Sorry, I'm some, my wife's printing something up on the printer here. Sorry. Right. It, it sounds like a dog's sniffing. That's okay. <laughs> uh, I, that's like, happening. That's under the table. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know, like, every comic wants uh, to, to rush ahead and to get stuff when they shouldn't get it. I remember when Comedy Now was in its last season, and I showcased, and they were, like, very... I heard from people that I was going to get one. I remember I didn't get one. I was devastated. I think I called Dave Martin and told him to bring me Coke. And I don't even do Coke. <laughs> I was just like, bring me, I want to do cocaine. I was so devastated that I didn't get a comedy now. But now looking back on it, I was, would have been like five or six years in. And I, the material I was doing back then, I would not want on record. Like it was not good enough. And I'm glad it didn't happen. But a lot of people just, want to punch through and get everything right away. So, and it's, so I, w- I want to add to that, Kathleen, because I also, <laughs> when comics was in its last year, I was up for the last year of comics. And a lot of people thought I was going to get it. Very similar story. I didn't get it. And I'm glad. Call Dave Martin asking for Coke. <laughs> yeah, I called Dave, asked for Coke. Actually, more heroin. Heroin's one of my things. <laughs> and and uh, I, need to, I need to slow down, not speed up. And the funny thing is, is that not only am I glad... But it's, it was my old character, a character that I'm totally ashamed about. And only one person owns any copy of that material, of that character, other than myself. And that person is Mark Breslin. Because only Mondo Taboo has my old character. That's the only record of it. No is one that else happy, clappy, fun guy? The happy, clappy, fun boy in the, the funny pants. The gazoo shirt, the whole... He, Mark is the only person that owns eight minutes of that. Yeah, Your headshot is and I can't sell it anywhere. I know, thank <laughs> God. Nobody wants that show. Thank and yeah, that show was a very interesting show. Um, if you don't know about that show, um, we converted the, um, the com- we converted Yuck Yucks Toronto into a bondage parlor. Yes. And we, the, uh, we had topless waitresses. Yes. <laughs> Um, the whole thing was supposed to take place in a kind of other, otherworldly kind of place. Um, and it was mostly, um, you know, sort of uh, uh, edgy, it was, yeah, it was edgy, it was all edgy comedy. Um, it played a couple of times on whatever it was, Super Channel or whatever it was then. And it was started, on pay-per-view first. Sorry? It was on pay-per-view first. That's right, it was on pay-per-view. Your choice. Um, not a lot of people paid. And um, so we never were able to do anything with it since, but it was actually shot on film. Yeah, I know. 
very rare and it gives it a whole different look. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I, you know what? I remember there was like, uh, well, I was on it and I did Glue Guy, a character right. that I'm, I'm still not too sure why it was so popular, but uh, <laughs> it, but it, 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 got, it got my name out there, but it was, it got banned and uh, it was, and I remember you, because also I remember that was the first year of the Humber College comedy co- um, courses. And that was, and you gave, uh, I think you gave me and Martha Chavez and Dan Dunn and maybe someone else a scholarship to go to that week. And I remember you telling me that being banned from that pay-per-view show was one of the best things that could have happened to me. <laughs> it's almost better to be bra- to brag that you were kicked off of a pay-per-view show. And, and everyone was, I remember there was like a Jim Slotek wrote an article about it. And he said that I got banned from it when, you know, uh, Viewer's Choice was showing hardcore pornography. And, you know, it's, it's like, what did I possibly do to get to deserve that when you could see? What was the character of Glue Guy? Can you give like a little synopsis of what exactly who Glue, who, tell me who Glue Guy was, because I was not around for Glue Guy. I've heard uh, about the legend of Glue Guy. <laughs> well, Sam, I mean, it was, a, it was a character that was, um, he was, one of the things that I love are when people are uh, like over self-indulgent and, and clueless. And it was a, a clueless character that had no idea that, uh, and he thought that everything that he was doing was relatable, but all of his punchlines had to do with glue. And I would have a bag of glue and it was in a, a it was in a plastic bag or a paper bag. And paper I would just bag, glue yeah. and it's like, uh, it's like, hey ladies, uh, or like, uh, hey guys, what are, uh, I'm even trying to remember what it was. I mean, his jokes were awful, but they were all, every punchline was glue. And it, uh, I guess they, they accused me of promoting drug use on the show. And then it, it got banned. So, it, oh, and also I remember it was like a one woman, there was a woman there that her, I, I think she was an adult film star. And I think she said that her credit was that she was going to be in a new Randy West movie. And uh, I remember, Mark, you told me that that was going to be a, that's a, ooh, that's a one camera shoot. Weren't all the multi-camera shoots? No, I think Randy West was, these were the Dirty Debutante series. Mm. <laughs> Dave, I'm glad you know that. Well, I'm ashamed of some of the things that I do remember. But. I remember seeing those dirty Debbie Tap boxes at the local video store when you would like look through the beaded curtain. <laughs> I remember seeing dirty debutantes when I was a yeah. kid. Randy and I think Willis. I asked my mom if I could be a dirty debutante one day. <laughs> I'm sure I did. And, and she said, if you dream hard enough, Kathleen, <laughs> you'll get to be a dirty debutante. <laughs> Okay, well, Mark, I think that's probably it for tonight. Uh, we appreciate you coming and uh, stopping by. And hopefully in a couple of weeks, we can have you back and we'll talk some more. Sure, love to. I'll just say there's listening to Anything Goes on Sirius XM. Yeah, 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 anytime. Hi there, this is Derek Sagan, and you're listening to Anything Goes on Sirius XM. Fuck you now. <laughs> that, that was good. All right, we're back from the break. And that was Mark Breslin for almost, I think, 45 minutes to an hour. That was with Mark. Yeah, no, I mean, and that was, it was funny that we talked about that uh, Mondo taboo at the end. Mm-hmm. And um, 
That not a lot of people know that. Not a lot of people even know that exists. No, but I mean, it was kind of interesting because that show was, it was almost like it should have been an internet pay-per-view show before there was the internet because it was just sort of like, there's so many things that, like it was just at that point of, of like, it, it wasn't meant for pay-per-view or, no. I mean, it was meant for TV, but it was also, you know, you were, just the idea of it was sort of like, how raunchy can we get? Yeah. And, I mean, but, I had a whole bunch, I had a whole bunch of other questions for Mark, but I didn't want it to be like a three hour interview. We right. can have them back in a couple of weeks or even a couple of months. But, you know, the, the funny thing is from the first Anything Goes shows, our second interview, I think was Mark Marin, And that was a, that was an interview that went way longer than we thought as well. So right. I just figured, Hey, let's, you know, let's call it, you know, a night for night for him and you know, we'll get him again. Do you remember who our first guest was? No, do you? Glenn Foster. Glenn Foster. Glenn Foster. We'll just we'll just stop talking right there. Yeah, well, I, that's why I stuttered. I was waiting for Darren's head to blow up. Yeah. In scanners. Yeah, go get me some heroin. Get her some coke and me some heroin. Then we'll talk about Glenn Foster. Yeah. <laughs> now uh, speaking uh, speaking of drugs. Yeah. Uh, I know that uh, Kathleen got something in the mail this week. You got a dildo. I got a bong. You got a bong. And you I haven't, haven't used it yet, yet, right? I'll use it for you guys. Okay, go ahead. The, the tip pops off, though. That's You got to be careful. Ouch. Ooh. You swallow something. Jeez. <laughs> you see. Unless you want to put a ball bearing in there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's good. Wow. You, just, you know what? You just need a, need a smaller one for your purse. That yeah. we just kind of. I initially ordered a six incher <laughs> before I knew they had nine inchers. So just I like called. Woman. Just like every woman, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I initially took the six incher and then I was yeah. like, oh, I could get a nine? I'll get yeah. the nine. Yeah. And this one's glow in the dark, too. Oh, that's <laughs> perfect. Good. Yeah. <laughs> I have a little wooden dick um, ashtray that I got from uh, Calgary. Yuck Yuck used to have this amazing bartender named i think it was alvin and he was filipino and he was like the sweetest man and every oh, yeah, time yeah, I, I remember him yeah yeah every time i headlined there i would always do a hooter shooter with him i'd bring him on stage and do a hooter shooter with yeah. alvin and he went to the philippines oh good i have my assistant he's bringing it over he went to the philippines and then i headlined calgary and he comes up to me he's like kathleen i bought you a gift in the philippines <laughs> Okay. I was like, Alvin, I don't smoke, but uh, I'm going to keep this forever. Yes. <laughs> He's you like, it's had a that forever, too. I remember seeing I that in your apartment at uh, oh, yeah. Eglinton. This is a coveted, this is a coveted gift that I received. This is one of the greatest gifts I've ever received. I'll never forget Alvin. He's, oh, I don't even know where he is. I have to ask Angie. Because that's the one thing about Calgary Yuck Yucks is it's always the same people there because it's a great one to work at. Yeah, yeah, very much a family environment, the way they yeah. run it, and all the staff is, is good and friends. Yeah. I, near the end, uh, my last couple times there, I just stayed in the green room, but they're, they're nice people. I know we, we talked a little bit about Fred Willard passing away, and, mm. and then, I mean, you mentioned that uh, the guy, and that, I mean, this, to me, this is sort of exemplifies the whole thing of just like the fact that you had to say the guy that played Eddie Haskell died. Yes. And... It, I, I find it annoying sometimes. There's this mad rush to the internet of who can be the first person to say, rest in peace to this guy. Yeah. And it's sort of like, it's, 
I, I used to do a joke about it. Uh, I'm not, I don't much anymore, but I used to always say, if you didn't know two days before the guy died, if he was alive, mm -hmm. then you're not allowed to be that upset when you find out that he's right. dead. You know, it's just there's like- some, There's some people that died and I'm like, I thought that person was already dead. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, I know, it's sort of like, I mean, I, and, and I used to say, it's sort of like, I used to say to the, the audience, I used to be like, hey, does anyone know in this room for sure if Joe Pesci is still alive? And then some people would be like, yes, yes. And I was like, would you bet your house on it? And then someone would be like, mm, no, maybe not. <laughs> right. So like, there's some people that you're just sort of like, I mean, I haven't seen Joe Pesci. Well, I mean, he did the Irishman. Yeah, sure. he was before that. Before That's that. A bad example, Dave. Think of a better example. Mm. Well, but this, I told the joke about the Irishman. No. <laughs> now use oh. Fred Willard. Now you can use Fred Willard in the joke. See, I knew Fred Willard was still alive. So did but, I. But I mean, but Joe Pesci before the Irishman, it would be a hard beat, like, is Lonnie Anderson still alive? Well, um, it's like also this weird thing of people on Facebook, they'll RIP someone without looking to see if they're dead today or it was five years ago. Oh, like, that's I, happened. I think that's happened, like, RIP Bob Denver, like, Gilligan, like, four times. Yeah, that's happened a lot. That's I think it's something that started as a, one time as a joke, <laughs> this is, I don't mean, I don't want to name drop, oh, I won't name drop, I'll just say who, anyway, I, I posted on Twitter, um, R.I.P. Larry King as a joke. It was just a joke. I was, I was trying to be funny, right. and then uh, I immediately get a text from Russell Peters, and he never texts me ever. And then I just immediately, you better take that down. That is a dumb idea, because right. <laughs> he's like, don't start saying that. Don't start fake death rumors. So I took right. it down. I was like, I was like Russell. <laughs> but isn't it weird? Don't I don't like. I wish everybody alive or dead to rest in peace. <laughs> like, if you're going to go to sleep one night, I was like, I hope you rest in peace. Right. Well, like, that we start, when bad people die, could we start saying, like, if Donald Trump died, we could build, oh, Donald Trump's dead, burn in hell. <laughs> well, B-I-H. 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 Yeah. B-I-H, bitch. People take that shit so seriously. But I, I, be, I, I, I would be like, B-I-H, first guest of anything goes. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Well, I mean, you just... <laughs> this dick's got me giggling. <laughs> this dick's great. I've been in so many other ways, though, but it's it's just funny. It's sort of like when uh, Andy Davis from the, when, and, and people would sort of post these, like, oh, my God, I can't believe it. It was just yeah. like, she wasn't a member of your family. You right. weren't sure if she was even alive. I yeah. mean, you had some memories of watching her on TV, but but seriously, don't... Don't blow it up too big to be like. To oh, me, well, to me, if you get to seventy or anything above seventy, you had a good life. Oh yeah. Like you know, it's. I'm not shocked anyone's dead after seventy. Do Do you ever think about like uh, when you die and social media is around? Do you ever think about how many people are gonna just like like the status with a, like a sad face, or how many people are actually gonna do a post about you? Um. I think I'll get a lot of sad faces. <laughs> <laughs> a couple, you'll get a couple, a couple wow. wows. And a couple like, thumbs up. Yay! Yeah. A couple BIHs. Third in hell, Dave Martin. When you die, I'm going to post that. Oh, uh, thank yeah. you. <laughs> You're uh, right. but, but I'm sure that's a much more female heavy answer for Dave. Uh, not, a lot of guys, not a lot of guys are going to burn in hell, Dave. I just don't, I don't want anyone to start doing all the relationship math of just like, well, when did you start going out with them? When did you start going out with them? I don't want to be around for that, so. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Dave overlapped a lot. Yeah. Oh, 
I mean, they well, always send another one ready to go as soon as this one. I got it right there. I said, just take another hit of that bomb. Like a, like a good shotgun. I always got one in the chamber. It's totally true. Yeah, yeah your love life is Russian roulette. You've always got a gun loaded. Yeah. Well, if it's Russian roulette, then all the chambers are filled. How is your love life, Dave? What's happening in your bedroom right now? In my bedroom? <laughs> yeah, like, how's your love life? Uh, Darren and I both have people that love us. Yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> you've, got, you've got a cat? Well, yeah, no, I have two cats. And uh, I know I'm just, I'm just. Um, <laughs> Which ladies on Facebook are you speaking to right now? Uh, <laughs> all of them? No. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's just funny. It is, yeah, okay, well. Um, okay, third I'm you can't say names because then they'll be like, but that's not my name. <laughs> just, uh, just for the record, Dave edits the show. So. Yeah, I know. That's why I can say this stuff. No, this, is all, this will all stay in. Don't worry. Well, yeah. No, nothing's happening. Dave has a good set. That's the one thing I will say. I think Dave is really, literally one of the best joke writers. You're so, mm. Your jokes are always fun, fun, funny. Any tag yeah. you've ever given me is a killer tag. Yeah. Uh, you take a million years to get to it. Yeah, yeah. But you literally are one of the funniest people, and you are the one of the best people that you like. If when I really love someone, I make fun of them, and you never get mad about it. Like sometimes people are like, okay, Kathleen, that's enough. But if I don't, if I don't roast you, I don't care about you. Well, like, yeah, no, I, I usually wait to get back to my car to start screaming racial slurs and uh, <laughs> how angry I am with Kathleen and this other guy here. Uh, <laughs> So just be happy that I didn't drive you home after the shows that we did at uh, Avenue yeah. Road in Davenport. Oh, oh man, it would have, oh, your ears would have bled. Oh, shit. You have the best sense of humor about yourself, and that's an excellent quality it's, to have. It's gotten a lot better. I do hear a lot of the old clips from the old shows, and uh, uh, <laughs> there are moments where I'm sort of like, come on, man, you shouldn't take yourself so seriously. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people would always say that they enjoyed when we made fun of you. Yeah, that's part of the show. The 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 famous sweater episode where you almost left. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, no, nobody ever asked me if I enjoyed being made fun of. Uh, I probably would have just said, "Oh yeah, it's it's what they do." Um, but now you wanted to, you wanted to bring up something about Steve Hofstetter, remember? Sorry, sorry. Um, all right, it's all good. No, 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 no. I I just I mean I don't know if you guys know Steve Hofstetter. It's it's not. And I, I suppose it is him particularly, but it always it always amuses me when every comic, if they're going to post a clip of them on stage, it seems like every every clip Steve Hofstetter posts, it's him dealing with a heckler. Oh no no! Yeah. First of all, yeah, which, well, which I don't all... mind. I don't mind, but I'm I'm literally like, if every single clip is you dealing with a heckler, I'm all yeah, my first question is like, shitty or your gay? Pardon? It's not dealing with Steve Hofstetter destroys Eckler. Or he owns them. Oh, I own. He jumps them. off stage and he stabs them to death with words. That would be more <laughs> exciting than than it's just. Yeah. I'm like, why are you getting heckled so much? That's just because it's well, sort of like. Oh, go right. ahead, about Gary. Well, go my, ahead. My my whole thing about Steve Hofstetter. That's is that's his hook. I get it. It it actually it worked for him. People show up. I mean, Ottawa sold out. People all came out. They loved it. People know Fine. his name because of it. And they, there's no, but I'll tell you something. 
and I, and I mean this, I wish I never posted my two clips of being heckled or assaulted because they have followed me and it's the exact opposite for me. It just, people don't want to book me because of it or they kind of look down at me because of it. I've had the exact opposite effect of what Hofstetter's had. Well, did you destroy hecklers? Did you no, destroy I didn't. I there you didn't. go. That's why. It's because you didn't destroy them. Right. That's why. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, but before that, it was like, that was before the whole owning and destroying people. Yes, yes. And, uh, you know, it's, that seems to be a very right-wing thing to sort of say about that. Uh, like, you know, like I've, watched, I've watched some of these videos of comics destroying, and it's literally like, hey, what's going on? Stop talking. Like, that's all. Yeah. It's like not even really destroying a heckler. Like, you know, there's this, the clip of Rogan destroying hecklers. That's destroying. You know, there's the clip of, obviously, of Bill Burr destroying that town about the statue. That's, that's fucking destroying an audience. Just saying I come out and, you know, knock the cocks out of your mouth, that's not destroying. Yeah, but I mean, but like guys like Joe Rogan and Bill Burr, they have, they have other clips other than him dealing with 100%. Like that's everything that Steve Hofstetter does. Yeah. Do you want to know something about Steve Hofstetter? I didn't know he's a, he has like a, like a scholarship or something. Yes, yes, he does, uh, yes. And a, like the funniest new comic in Edmonton won it this year. Oh. Yes. Brad Semitak, he's like so funny. Uh, I feel bad for the comics that are really, really, really funny, but are brand new because he was like, he won $10,000 and yeah. it was like, what? That's crazy. But, uh, not that it's not crazy. It's not anyway, but he is really, really funny, but it's kind of hard right now because he's the guy that would be going to just for laughs right away. And now we're all taking a break off. Like it's for people that are kind of established in the industry it's not as sad. I mean, it's, it's hard to take a break, but if you're still trying to climb up it, it's, this is kind of a shitty little break. Yeah. <sighs> I mean, just, to, I just want to say one other thing about Steve Hofstetter. I, I don't have a problem with what he does. That's, his, that's his angle. That's his hook. He, he, he's run that scholarship. He had a TV show on Fox where he had comics doing clips. So he's, he's, you know, he's worked it. He's grinded it. It's not my thing. So what, but you know, that's that's his hook, and we we could we could talk for hours with all these comics hooks. Right, it's just it's just funny. It was just like every set, but he always does a setup to him destroying. And it was like, well, I was I was getting into this uh, part of my act where I talk about my dad dying, and then I got interrupted. And I'm just sort of like, well, people just don't get into. I mean, if a show's going yeah. well, people just don't interrupt it. Yeah. Um, that is actually a yes, good point. That's like. You don't want to have like a bunch of clips of you destroying hecklers. That means you're getting heckled at every show, and right. that's not right. something to be like proud. Of. That's so not just, something to be proud of. But it's yeah, sort of yeah. like a, a guy going. It's sort of like a guy going and being like, you know, every date I go out, I uh, get a drink thrown in my face. What is it with these ladies? I'm right. like, well, people aren't just throwing a drink in your face. Something that's must have happened Dave, before then. Of Dave, like, is that is that your friend telling that story, or is no, that that's really me. you? Yeah, that's yeah. me. That's me. Actually, have, how many drinks have you had thrown in your face in your lifetime, Dave? Uh, uh, <laughs> I can't believe you can think about math, it. Math. Well, uh, well no, uh, I think two. Uh, two. I, uh, yeah, one, uh, one I remember for sure, because uh, I was at uh, a bar with, um, I think it was at uh, Jeremiah Bullfrogs. Remember that one bar that Harry Duke used to be a bartender at? And um, I was, I wasn't drinking, and there was a lady at the bar that was kind of like trying, I was, like I think Christine von Hagen was there and this lady was drinking at the bar, it was last call. And I was giving, uh, I, don't know, I was probably gonna give her Christine a ride home or something like that. But this lady was talking to me at the bar and then she kept on sort of like hinting that she, that, 
and she wanted Dave. She wanted yeah, the Dave. Machine. She wanted she wanted to take me home, and and she wasn't, and I wasn't in that last call. All the ladies look good at closing time, sort of mentality, and uh, I just kept on saying to her, like, listen, no, it's okay. It's really, it's okay. And she was like, come on, show, I'll show you where I live. And I, then I just turned to her and said, I don't care where you live. I'm not <laughs> interested. And then she took this full glass of Red Bull and vodka, which that stings your eyes. Oh my God. <laughs> it was just, I got a face full of uh, Red Bull and vodka. And I was just like, wow, that it's sticky and it stings your eyes. And uh, I saw somebody get a uh, drink thrown at them on stage. It, it was at the comedy Monday night with, um, when it was in Dickens in Calgary, like this is all very insider stuff, but like uh, it was an open mic in Calgary and it started at this bar called Dickens, which was pretty rough. And I remember one time Stan Thompson was on stage and he was doing, oh, no, not Stan. <laughs> he, he did this, he had a full glass of Guinness and he was making jokes about Irish people. And all of a sudden this guy rushes the stage grabs his pint of Guinness <laughs> and I think he threw it in his face and then smashed it on the ground and he's like, I'm Irish <laughs> and just walked away. <laughs> but Stan just kind of stood there in shock. <laughs> that was one of my favorite ever. Oh man, my you favorite Stan story. My, I just want to tell this quickly. My favorite Stan. So Stan, after working at the office, he gets another job. He, he, I, he tells someone he works at a gas station and then he goes, great for chicks. I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> to me, that sums up everything. With Stan. Oh, great and that voice. Oh, girl. Mm. That, oh, that's a, not a good voice. You know, you know what would be so classic? Like, that like Stan Thompson, Bob Keel, Richard Lett sort of level of like, <clears throat> if, if that happened to Stan Thompson on the early show, and people kill and it and it killed and people are like, oh my god, that's amazing. Stan would be the kind of guy to go up and find that guy and be like, hey, that really worked really well in the early show. You mind if uh, we do it second show too? And the guy would be like, fuck yourself. But I, I only say that because I remember I did um, the London Club with Richard Lett, and it was his birthday, and on the early show he had a cake. And, you know, Richard goes on and on about being, a, I'm a cancer survivor, blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, I'm a cancer survivor, blah, blah, blah. B-I-H, B-I-H, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Uh, so then, so, uh, and then, so, uh, um, uh, so I, I take the cake to uh, Richard Lett on stage, and we cut it, and the audience is applauding, and they're so, oh, this is so great. And then Richard sells a bunch of CDs after the show, and he comes into the green room and he's like, "Oh man, could you could you imagine? Look at all the CDs I sold. Could you imagine that?" And I turned to him. I said, "Yes, of course I can imagine that. You just said you're, you're a cancer survivor, and uh, <laughs> it's your birthday, and it's your birthday. You might as well have said that you just got back from uh, entertaining the troops, and <laughs> might as well have said that your daughter just graduated from university. All this shit and." Um, and then he was like, uh, you think we should do it the second show? And I was just like, of course we should do it the second show. Yeah. Of course we should. Yeah. Can we have Stan Thompson as a guest? I said, Richard, it should be your... Yeah, we could. Sure. Let's have Stan Thompson as a guest. I would love to hear some Stan Thompson stories. Okay. Oh, from, from the band. I've got tons. And I'll tell them in front of Stan, for sure. Oh. We I should call that 
episode, we should call that episode Defending Stan. And Stan yeah. has to defend himself after every story. Okay. All right. I, okay. I, I, I only a podcast in itself. I only <laughs> wish Bob Keel was alive so we could have him on this show and we could tell stories about Bob Keel because that would be, ooh, <laughs> Let's do, we'll definitely do, we'll, let's wrap it up. We will definitely do an episode with Stan, but we just got to figure out a way for him to be able to be on it because I'm not sure if he's got yeah, an internet connection or a home. Yeah, well, that's not a thing that, that's a real thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah I don't know. Actually, I are all the, the, the Petro Canada that he's working at. I don't know. <laughs> are, the, are, the, are, the, are the two of you even sure if Stan's still alive? Yes, he is. Wait. I thought I about it before I asked. I wouldn't bet my house on it. <laughs>